1: Welcome sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get a part of the show and I want you guys to make sure you click us, write us. We want to hear about it. It's hashtag SGN Sports Garden over at Facebook and Twitter at 855, the number 4G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, and you can go to sportsgarden.com. We have a jam-packed show today. Of course, we're going to talk a little NFL, go through the games, the key matchups of the week. I see some good spots, especially some weather games coming up. We'll talk about all that later on, but we're talking a little NHL. We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball today. Ryan Yee, our hockey insider, is going to talk NHL, but we're going to start it off and talk to Mark Luino, our Major League Baseball guy. We're going to talk a little free agency right now.
0: This is Doc Holliday, co-host of the Believe in Rams podcast with Pro Football
1: Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce. And you're listening to Wagering Week with my guy, my homie, Tom Barton. Guys, I know it's not baseball season and the hot stove has been should we say lukewarm season at this point, but I wanted to talk about it. I think it's going to start heating up. The baseball winter meetings are going on. There are Zoom meetings. Oh, well, welcome to 2020. But we are having the baseball meetings. There's been a little bit of an uptick, and I think we're going to see more moving forward. So I wanted to invite on Major League Mark, Giraffe Nick, Neck Mark, that's what it is, over on Twitter, Mark Luino. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Tom, for having me on. I appreciate you. Mark, the first thing I want to throw out there, I mentioned welcome to 2020, right? Um, It is welcome to 2020. And what do you think the COVID effects really have been here? I know Brad Hand, look, he didn't get his contract picked up. It was for $10 million. I know that they got some relievers coming up through the ranks, but I thought that was a contract that should have been picked up. We've seen some of that. Now we've seen the slow build do you think people are kind of crying poverty here or are we going to start to see some signings?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the winter meetings are going to help heat the hot stove up a little bit, but there definitely are going to be some teams that still do cry a little bit poor here. We saw the Phillies owner, John Middleton come out the other day and talk about all the money that they lost on the season and how they're not going to be able to go after JT Ramuto. So I think it's definitely expected that a lot of teams are going to be a little more cautious this off season than normally, especially with the lack of a DH possibly in the NL. So I I don't think that it's going to be an aggressive market, but the teams that do want their guys, they're going to be pushing for them for sure.
1: Well, before we get into the free agents, I got to ask you about Francisco Lindor. He seems to be the name that everyone's waiting for. Well, I don't want to make my move because I might be able to get Lindor. Uh, I've heard Travis story. Well, you know what? We don't know if we want to make an offer for him because I might get Lindor. And there's a lot of teams that are kind of looking at him and, and kind of saying, you know what? He's going to be our cornerstone. He's going to be our guy. But when Lindor comes, you have to make a trade to go get him. Then you know he's going to command. I mean, even in a COVID world, what, $300 million, $400 million? Uh, Is it possible that that's the number that he gets? So with that being known, who is the leading candidates, and where do you think he's going to go? So it's tough with Lindor because, like you said, the whole thing about
2: being a free agent, you got to extend him. So he's at a weird market right now where we know he's one of the best shortstops in baseball, if not the best shortstop. But with the upcoming free agency next season, you have Seager, Baez, Story, and those guys that you previously mentioned also hitting the market. So for a top player, his market is almost quiet because there is going to be such a plethora of guys next year. But I think you got to look at teams like the Mets. you got to look at teams who are going to be contenders and want to go out and going to be able to spend the money as well. So maybe the Mets are a team that can be definitely interested. I think you also got to count in the Yankees as always. You can look down south maybe to the Braves. I know they have a loaded farm system with guys who are looking to possibly get into the major league level and the Cleveland Indians want guys at a major league level so they can help them out there. My sneaky team that I keep thinking though is the Marlins just because I feel like Lindor could be such a perfect fit in Miami. Puerto Rican heritage, he went to high school in Florida. If you're going to build your team around a player, he would be the perfect fit, especially in Miami, try to get that fan base going. So I kind of have the Marlins as my dark horse. Not a lot of people talking about them, but they have a ton to give the Indians for sure.
1: Whoa, you get some good odds on that. Mets are 2-1 to one leading the, the full fray here. Yankees are about 9-1. to one. You get into the Marlins, if uh, you're listening to Mark, Hey, you're getting into like a 20-1 to one range. We're on the phone with Mark Luino, Major League Mark. Uh, let's now talk about some of the big free agents. And you mentioned the Yankees, so I'll start off there. Uh, DJ LeMahieu. He is older, he's into his 30s, which to me is young, but he's older, he's into his 30s. In a baseball world, that's not too young. He's asking for five years. The Yankees are basically saying, we'll overpay you for four. He's a guy that I think cannot leave the Yankees, but I've heard the Dodgers mentioned. I've heard the Mets mentioned. Where does DJ wind up?
2: I personally think it's got to be the Yankees. They definitely need to go out and get him whatever he wants. I think you should give it to him because, as we've seen in Yankee Stadium, the two seasons that he has been there, he performs at an MVP-type level. And whether or not you want to go, you know, he's getting up there in age, 30-plus years old. At the position he plays with the defense he has plus the bat, It doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon. So I still think the Yankees are going to land him. That would be my choice if I was, you know, looking at it on the free agent market.
1: Who bends the knee? Do they give him the five years or does he come back and take a lot lot more money for the four?
2: I think they're probably going to go around for four and maybe there's a mutual option for that fifth year because that's what's going to be tough with LeMahieu in his 30s, asking for the amount of money that he wants. And for a fifth year, that's, I think, probably what the big roadblock is right now with not only the Yankees, but a lot of the teams. I think he'll end up being four with maybe an
1: option. You know, Mark, you always hear, oh, it's impossible. How can the Yankees let DJ Lemayu go? It wasn't that long ago that the New York Yankees let their, quote-unquote, best player go because he wanted too many years, and that's Robinson Cano. Look at how that worked out. So don't put it out of your mind. All right, the next guy up, Trevor Bauer. And maybe the first guy up uh, is Trevor Bauer. Everyone's buying into his shortened season excellence. Now, he's always been very good, but he's commanding excellent kind of money. And this guy is fantastic on Twitter, isn't he? I mean, he's got one fan base battling against another fan base, and then he doesn't really feel a lot of love from Los Angeles, so he goes, oh, I guess the Dodgers don't want me. I mean, (laughs) Bauer's playing us all like a fiddle. Who winds up with the prize of Trevor Bauer?
2: So, for me, the team that stands out the most, that I think needs Bauer the most and should get him and I think end up will getting him is the Los Angeles Angels. Their pitching has been a problem for years now, and they got to get Mike Trout to the playoffs. And how do you help get him to the playoffs? You get him some pitching, Trevor Bauer, add him to the rotation with Dylan Bundy. They just grabbed Rizal Iglesias and the closer. They made some other small moves here and there. They're putting together a really good team. The Angels need him. He has some, you know, history with Mickey Calloway, who's the pitching coach out in L.A. for the Angels as well when he was with the Indians. I think it's going to be the Angels.
1: Mark, you know, we're sitting back and we're in a, a position where you could get some decent betting lines on speculative ads here. Are the Angels worth it right now? The Angels are more than 20 to 1. The Angels are a team that, that's a good chunk of betting line. You said they just went out, they got a closer. They Of course, they got Trout. Uh, are they something that you would take a shot at, uh, at a World Series long shot now, in hopes that they rebuild that starting pitching that they don't even have right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I really like what their new GM has done so far this offseason. And like you said, there's a lot of great players there. Trout, Rendon, Otani. You've got David Fletcher, who's been a great player. They got a lot of young talent. Jared Walsh came up and showed us a lot of promise last year. They still have Joe Adele. They're missing the pitching. That's really what it comes down to. They're always going to hit. And if they get a guy like Bauer plus Bundy plus the other additions that I think they're going to make this offseason, that's a team that, like you said, you could probably get in there real early right now for a World Series favorite because the American League West is getting weaker this year. And if the Angels get stronger, that's a good position for them to make the playoffs. And once you get there, you never know.
1: Let's talk about a team that has made some moves here. Uh, And they've made some moves without making some moves and i'm talking about the new york met's with steve cohen all of a sudden the mets were about 30 to 1 i've seen them all the way as high as 18 to 1 they've acquired nobody they haven't done anything but everyone's going oh they're going to be the big players you know i've i've read more times than uh, i want to even digest here that the mets are the new Kings of New York. The Mets are going to steal the back page headlines. Steve Cohen is a Twitter fanatic. You, are, you, and you guys out there that don't like Trump, man, people are loving Steve Cohen on Twitter. He's commenting yep. on everything. Uh, he's fun. It's exciting. But at the end of the day, it's kind of the Jerry Maguire, show me the money, Steve, right? Who are the Mets going to wind up with? Where do you think they are? And is it realistic to think that he's just going to go crazy and just go buy everyone?
2: Yeah, I mean, Steve Cohen, I think in his press conferences early, made it very well known that the Mets do want to win a World Series in the next three to five years. So that's ultimately going to be their goal moving forward every single season. How do we get to the World Series and win it all? So for me personally, I think Bauer is a guy they should go and get. Whether or not they do. That's up to, obviously, the Mets and Bauer. The issue with him is that he's going to want a lot of money. And right now, the Mets do have a lot of space before hitting the luxury tax, but they also have a lot of other areas to address. A center fielder is needed. A catcher is needed. They still have some holes, but they do have a good core to maybe, if you get those couple pieces there, make that final push. I'd love to see them go after Springer. I think that would be a really good guy to go after as well. Of course, there's Real and McCann behind the plate. So they have a lot of options, and they're very lucky that this offseason, like I said before, is going to be a really quiet one in that a lot of teams lost money. But the Mets just got bought for two-plus billion dollars. Their owner's ready to spend. They could be really aggressive and get some great pieces.
1: Yeah, I feel like the the New York Mets are almost the over-expectations all the time. People go, oh, yeah, i are going to get Lindor and Springer and uh, Riamuto and Bauer and uh, go trade for Mike Trout. I mean, that you know <laughs> that's kind of where, where the Mets fans' minds are. Uh, you got to make the right moves, not always just throw the money moves. We're on the phone with Mark Luino, Major League Baseball, Mark, and you can go catch him at Twitter. It's at. Giraffe, Neck, Mark, Mark with a C, that is. All right, Mark, White Sox have made some moves. They are the first team to really be aggressive early. And I always think the free agency, be aggressive very early or very late. Do you agree with the White Sox jumping on the bandwagon early here as opposed to waiting it out and kind of – they're the trend centers at this point.
2: Yeah, I, I like the move that they made with Lance Lynn, and then they grabbed Adam Eaton as well. I like teams that go and get it. That's something I always talk about is if you have your guy there, don't wait for him to go away. Go and get him. You've seen the Braves do it the past couple off seasons. They grabbed Charlie Morton as well this year. I like that they went after Lance Lynn. I thought it was a great trade for both sides because, of course, the Rangers are getting someone to help their rebuild process, and Lance Lynn is going to be a horse in that rotation. He gives you 200-plus innings every year. His strikeouts have been up year after year. He's been healthy. He looks determined. I love that move. I love teams that just go for it, and the White Sox have shown the last couple offseasons seasons they are ready to try and win now.
1: Let's talk about the Buffalo Blue Jays, and that's what I'm calling them here, the Buffalo Blue Jays. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the Toronto Blue Jays, look, they're just ridden. Their whole system is drooling of offensive talent. You have backups to backups that are considered top prospects, yet I hear them linked to LeMay, to Spring, to more offense. They need starting pitching. What is the reasoning behind Toronto just continuously going after some offense here when there is a clear problem, and that's the starting pitching.
2: Yeah, I think that the Blue Jays are really confident in that a lot of the young players that they have in their farm system are going to be able to come up in the recent, you know, in the in the near future and make an impact for them. They have Nate Pearson, who we saw a little bit of last year, who has really good stuff. Didn't necessarily perform well, but he's got top quality stuff. They got Simeon Woods Richardson a couple years ago, or last year from the Mets two years ago uh, with Marcus Stroman trade. They've got a lot of young arms, Eric Pardino, another one that are going to be ready to come up at some point. So I think the Blue Jays are trying to figure out maybe the guys to have structured around those young guys, like a hinge Ryu that we saw them grab last off season. They got the offense, but they want more. I think they're really confident what they got in their farm system pitching. And that's, I think, why they're just kind of not avoiding it, but maybe not being as aggressive as you would
1: expect. Yeah, I'm just surprised. Why, why are they going after hitting? You know, I, it, It's weird to me when you have such a, a glaring need. All right, last question, Mark, and basically this is uh, a slap to everybody in the middle of the country. Sorry, guys, but you're doing it to yourself. Who wants to lose more in the Central in the National League? Every one of the National League teams, you alluded to it, every single team in the National League uh, Central has said we are reducing payroll. We're managing payroll. We're cutting back this year. Who's the team that's going to, I guess, cut back the least? Who who should be we, we be watching that central? Who's going to come out on top there? It's a mess.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be the St. Louis Cardinals. I think they're in a really good spot with the roster and everyone that they've got there that they can go and grab a couple pieces that maybe aren't, you know, the big names like Bauer, Springer, Riamuta, LeMahieu, but they can grab someone to play second base. I know they let go of Colton Wong, so that's an open spot there. Uh, they have a third base spot that's a little bit open because Carpenter hasn't been great the last you know season and a half. They, I don't think, will be the most aggressive team like some of the teams on the East Coast and West Coast, but out of all the NL Central teams, it seems like they're in a position that they are still going to win. They're still going to go for it. They're just going to be very smart about the moves that they make, and it's going to be super calculated as opposed to overreacting and trying to get a star.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Mark. It's been great. Oh, look, that's Mark Luino at Giraffe neck Mark over on Twitter. That's with a C, Major League Baseball, Mark. We're going to have him on over the course of the baseball season and over the course of the offseason. When Liriano goes somewhere, we're calling you up, Mark. I'll tell you that right now. I think it's going to start to be a domino effect, guys. I think as we start to see some of the names go off the board, that'll give options to send more names off the board, and you're going to start getting this hot and heavy. Right now, it's kind of like almost a sparring match out there. They're feeling each other out. All right. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll be right back. Right after this, winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross sport wagers. All at my bookie. Winning season means watching live sports and betting. Live sports all season long. The NFL has returned. That means action packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free bet play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use the promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie.
0: This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, and you are listening to Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get the gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right. What are the odds?
1: What are the odds? All right, I got some early, very early odds for next week. That's right. I got some very early odds in a little college football. Oklahoma is going to open up as a four-and-a-half point favorite over Iowa State. Then you have Clemson-Notre Dame, the rematch. Clemson's getting the hook seven-and-a-half Over Notre Dame. But let me tell you something. Seven and a half. That number is looking like it's going to get to an eight number. Not that there's a huge difference between seven and a half or an eight. But it looks like it's going to tilt that way. And then you go to the SEC. Alabama is 14 and a half point favorite over Florida. Now this one is a little interesting. Because it looks like it's going to fall back. The money's coming into Florida. It's probably going to fall back from Florida from 14 and a half down to 14. Which is somewhat significant if you like that. So that is an early look at the championship games next week. Oklahoma is the favorite by 4.5 over Iowa State. Clemson 7.5 over Notre Dame. Alabama by 14.5 over Florida. We're going to take a quick break here, guys, in the football talk. And we're going to go into a little hockey. We're going to come back with a little NFL, but we're going to go into some hockey. Because right now, I know you NHL fans are out there going, wait a minute, what is happening? Ryan Yee sitting in with me. And you guys know Ryan. You've gotten accustomed to him. SGN, Roto Mill, that's how you know him. You also know him as the in-house expert on all things hockey. And the question that we are all kind of wrestling with here is, should we even have you in the studio, Ryan? Not because no offense to you. But uh, do we even have a hockey guy right now? Because do we even have hockey?
3: Right? It, it's it's a weird feeling right now. Number one, I'm supposed to be having hockey right now at the peak of of performance right now. Right now in December time, you know, you're watching, you know, hockey literally every single night. And now I'm sitting at home. I got football on weekends, and then I got nothing for the entire weekend. And I'm hoping, I'm praying, praying, praying that the hockey season is gonna start just around the corner. But like you said, it might not even happen. The reports at the beginning were that the plan was to get it going January 1st of 2021. Then there was a little bit of financial disgruntles between the two sides. And just late, um, the, the, the newest reports coming out is that they have figured out the financial size, but there's a lot of logistics going on. There's still a lot to figure out. And 2021 is only about what? Like, 15 days away. It's, it's crazy.
1: You know, you mentioned that and the word CBA starts to come in and we know that we went through the Major League Baseball, CBA and uh, look, there's a lot of people out there. I'm a cynical guy and I live in a cynical world. There are a lot of people out there that are taking advantage of the COVID crisis, right? I mean, there just are. This is a situation that to me the CBA is being brought up because they're able to take advantage of the COVID crisis It worked out in baseball because the publicity and the the public relations backlash would have been atrocious. Do you think that's going to be the same thing here where the public relations just kind of overwhelms them and they're
3: just going to have to come to the table? Well, you nailed it on the head right there, Tom, right? I think this is now where we're going to see the divide between fans who are for the player versus who are, who are for the team. Who wants to just see hockey and doesn't really care what the players think or how they feel doing it, right? Um, that's where we're going to see the divide, at least from the fan bases. How the NHL now actually goes about it, it it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. And that's where the problem stems, right? It's the CBA negotiations, right? You saw it about baseball, about how all the stalls that were happening, how long it took them to figure everything out to get the 2020 season going. Now for 2021 for the NHL, they're having the same problems. And they had those same problems heading in to that playoff season as well. And it took a long time for them to figure it out. And they're reaching those same issues now. And what the players are saying is that, hey, we just negotiated for this six months ago. We just negotiated this for the same situation, right? COVID cases are going back up. It's the same kind of level that we're seeing at um, earlier in the year when hockey was looking at restarting the playoff. Same situation, same everything, and now the owners want to back out of their end of the deal, and they want to renegotiate for a new deal. So from a player's perspective, I understand where they're coming from. Now it is the owners that are forking up the money, so they do have the power to make those decisions. Where you lie on that spectrum of whether you're for the owner or for the player, it's going to be an interesting one.
1: Let's go. Let's move forward. Just a little bit, and say we hoping we're hoping for season. Right. Okay. We know there's not going to be 82 games. That, that's for sure. I would think that we're looking at maybe 60. Is that a rough number that you, you could agree with? Is 60 the
3: number? And and you actually nailed it right there. So the latest reports coming out from sources that I've heard from and from uh, Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic just reported as well the other day. They're looking at a 56-game season. So 56-game season starting not on January 1st of 2021, January 13th. So that means, let's say they start training camp on January 1st, like they plan on doing as of right now. They have 13 days, 13 days of preseason training camp, getting all your rookies that you drafted earlier in this year, all sorted out, get your rosters figured out, and then go in 13 days, two weeks, line on the 13.
1: You say 13 days, and I see your eyes light up like it's crazy. Tell everybody out there, though. Ryan Yee, our hockey expert, in-house resident, SGN hockey expert,
3: Ryan a lot of people don't
1: know. How much is the normal amp-up time?
3: Well, usually these players, um, not even the young ones, not even the ones that had not played an NHL game yet, but the veterans and the guys that usually come in day in and day out, they, have been, they usually are used to coming into the building at least a month, at least a month or two. I mean, look at what happened in football this year right? There was no preseason. There was no training camp because of everything going on and look at some of the teams that are struggling and football, there's an ample amount of preparation time each week to prepare for those games. Hockey, once the season starts, you are full tilt go. You are playing games every other day, especially when it's a 56 game season. Every single win matters. It's going to be an interesting one.
1: Ryan, I don't want to be heartless here, but I often am, okay? Uh, You know, I see 56 games and I see the truncated schedule and I know how well the bubble worked. I mean, the bubble worked fantastically. And I'm going, what's a number that the players would get to where they'd start to agree to another bubble? What is that game number? Is that on the table? Rather than canceling the whole season, is it on the table? Let's re-explore a bubble. I know it's tough to be away from your family for a couple of months, but now we're down to 56 games. If they get to
3: maybe... 30, 35 games. Is that a realistic idea where the bubble will be brought back up? No chance. Absolutely no chance that a bubble is coming back. Um, just to ask the players, right? So think about this, right? The NHL came back and they played a, a little mini like regular season before the start of the playoffs. And they played about, I would, I think it was around 10 games um, for the, the the teams that were still vying for those last playoff spots. From those 10 games to the end of the playoffs, they were in that bubble for more than two months. For almost 90 days, these players ran and that was just playoffs, right? Even if it's a 30-game season, right, you're asking these players to potentially take a chunk, a seventh-month chunk of a year, and stay in a hotel room. Professional athlete or not, the strongest mentally, uh, you know, person out there, no one is healthy or mentally strong enough. To stay in a hotel room, despite you're getting paid to play hockey, I get it. These professional athletes are out there. That's the argument out there that, oh, come on. It's easy. They're just playing professional sports. I don't know. You try sitting in a hotel room for seven months on end alone without your family and friends. Yes, I get it. You have your teammates there. It's it's not an easy stretch, even if you're playing the sport that you love.
1: All right. Then let me revise that question a little bit because for throw out the bubble. I'm looking at NBC has the Olympics. They're holding the Olympics. Uh, The Olympics is scheduled to begin on July 23rd, so you don't want to go into the summer and kind of compete with the Olympics and the television rights and whatnot. What's the cutoff date here, Ryan, where we have to get something to see a season? Where do you see is
3: the the point of no return? In terms of starting the season, if they don't get it started by the new year, it's not happening. Really? So we we got days to go They need to figure this out by the end of 2020 and that, and that's not even and that's not even from a a like let's okay let's get all the little things tied up they are not even close they just just days ago finally figured out a financial standpoint where they are going to keep uh, all the contractual financial agreements from the original CBA from 6 months ago that they negotiated um but they still haven't figured out when is the draft lottery going to be when when or if are they going to have an all-star game or an all-star break when is free agency going to start when is the 2021 draft going to be Olympics is not even a thought, not even a thought, especially the fact that the NHL already doesn't have an agreement with the Olympics um, to go and send players. Um, But but from your your standpoint, right, the broadcasting TV ratings, kind of like the NBA, the NBA wanted to take advantage of the lack of sports happening right now. So they started in Christmas before hockey could start. Um, But yeah, if they don't get it going by the start of 2021, if, if that January 13th date, I think is the latest date. That they have planned to at least push this off and, and get this going. Guys, we're talking to Ryan Yi, our in-house SGN hockey expert. And Ryan, uh,
1: it's not a unique idea, but I've heard a lot of people say this. Will there be some sort of realignment
3: with Canada and the US and what's going on there and this is exactly where I wanted to go with because I sound like a pessimistic right now I sound like the hockey season isn't going to I I'm confident that the players want to play and the owners want to make money from these players playing. will they make as much money no but I think at the end of the season making at least some money during this next season is better than making no money now the owners have that flexibility of saying no we're not going to have a season because they got boatloads of cats that they can sit on these players not so much now what you're saying in terms of the realignment of division where it plays into that is that we know everything that's happening on between the border between Canada and the USA and 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 the NHL is one of the unique leagues where they don't just have one singular Canadian team so you have uh, the Toronto Blue Jays they played in Buffalo the Toronto uh, the Toronto Raptors are going to play in Tampa Bay um, when it comes to the start of the NBA season in a couple weeks time Um, they don't have that option in the NHL I mean you got seven Canadian teams you're going to ask seven Canadian teams to go find a place in the United States to go play I don't think so right that's seven different cities that are going to have to have not only an arena to house these teams, but facilities to be able to practice with these players. So the idea that has been put out is, okay, let's realign these divisions, like you mentioned, and let's set up a all-Canadian division. And think about that. How how crazy would that be? You have seven teams um, playing in Canada, and then you got your American teams, um, and I, I believe they would split it into two divisions, so they would have a three total of three divisions, two American, one Canadian. Um, and that would even extend to playoffs, and that maybe they could um, – establish a bubble there because these players have already been in but they might have a a all canadian division an interesting tidbit though for any division realignment the owners need to vote yay or yes for that realignment 66 percent. so two-thirds of the owners have to do that that's going to be a lot harder to get done especially when you have a lot of hesitant owners that are not willing to even Start a season next uh, next year in 2021.
1: All right. We only got about a minute to go here, Ryan. Um, so who does this benefit? What teams are being benefited? Who are the, the veteran teams that might not need the ramp up? Does it benefit a veteran team? Because they're old bones kind of
3: situation. So who does this benefit the most? I'll name one team quickly. And this is not from the shortened season or the short start. But because if they go with the all-Canadian division, the team that benefits the most is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. They, are, they have the best winning percentage against Canadian teams. And if they do an all playoff or all Canadian playoff division they don't got to face Boston Bruins first round oh I like that that avoiding the Boston Bruins and they're sitting at uh,
1: we talked about it 15 to 18 to 1 you get them at you know it's not going to be quite 21 but you get it at a good good number hey Ryan it's been fantastic I hope that there's hockey even if there's not we're going to have you back no matter what and when it's finally announced we got to have you back for an in-depth session that's Ryan E SGN RotoMill and in-house hockey expert we'll be back right after this we're sending you back to the future Okay, all right. Bet to
0: the future.
1: Bet to the future. Oh, well. We're talking a little Major League Baseball. Mark, it got me to thinking. American League MVP odds are out. So are the National League MVP odds. We'll start with the American League. Mike Trout, why not? Guy's always right there. Plus 175. Every year I do this, he's right about 2-1, to one and he's right there again. Alex Bregman, 10-1 to one right after him. Jose Abreu looking for a back-to-back. Uh, I don't think at that age. 10-1 to one there. Aaron Judge, if the guy could stay on the field, this would look okay. At 11-1. 20-1, Otani. 20-1. Lindor without a home, 20 to 1, Rendon, 23 to 1, Matt Chapman, 25 to 1, DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres. Over to the National League, Mookie bets 5 to 1, Christian Yelich 7 to 1, Acuna 7.5 to 1, Bellinger Freeman 8 to 1, Tatis Soto, Arenado are all 10 to 1, Harper's 12 to 1, and Kettle Marte is 14 to 1. That is bet to the future. Yeah, look, I mean, every year I kind of say the same thing, right? it's nearly impossible to bet the American League MVP because you're not getting enough on Mike Trout. Every year you can go bet him, but you're not getting enough value on Mike Trout. The guy's going to finish inside the top five. Chances are the guy's going to finish inside the top three, and there's a reason why he's plus 175. But I can't take him because I'm getting no value. So then who are you going to go up against? If you're going to look for somebody else, you're going up against Mike Trout, who is the overwhelming favorite. So I just don't like it. Last year... I thought in a shortened season maybe Otani would have had a shot cuz he would have been pitching and stuff. I think his number 20 to 1 is ridiculous. Let's just be honest. Since Otani's come in, his legacy in this league is a guy that has just fallen flat on his face. He can't stay healthy. Same thing with with Aaron Judge. I love him. Got Aaron Judge jersey at home. 11 to 1. Oh, that's pending that he stays healthy. I mean, if we're going to do that, where's Giancarlo? <laughs> you know, I mean, if we're going to do that, I'll tell you what, at 25 to 1, if DJ LeMay who stays with the, the Yankees, that's got to be big. That, that's got to be worth at least a little bit if you're looking for a long shot. National League, you have a lot more options. Mookie Betts makes a lot of sense, but Cody Bellinger's on his own team. That makes some sense. Yelich, I think he's got to bounce back. Basically, he was the leading candidate for a, a year and a half at least. Acuna's got all the talent in the world. He's a fantasy darling. Will he become this? Well, he's got to get over Freddie Freeman who's on his own team. He's about 8-1. to one. Everyone loves Fernando Tatis. People are drooling over this guy. He's game. But I think Juan Soto is the better player. And Juan Soto's numbers are more eye-popping. I wouldn't go near Arenado just in case there's a trade. Harper 12-1. to uh, You know, going through a rebuild, I could see that hurting him. I, I mean, I would take a shot at Juan Soto, but I wanted to give you that a little bit of baseball before we go into the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I could I could throw a couple of bucks on DJ LeMayhew at 25-1 to and maybe Maybe so to ten to one might be my shot. Cause hey, look, the guy's gonna have eye popping numbers. We know that. All right, let's go into a little NFL action this weekend. Detroit, Green Bay, we'll start off there. Green Bay is about an eight point favorite over Detroit. They have always traditionally played Detroit well, but in Detroit, they're playing well. Look, they they have a new head coach. They got an emotional win last week. Matthew Stafford's going to be able to have some passing success against this Green Bay team, but Green Bay is going to be able to run all over them, and it's still Aaron Rodgers is playing at an elite level. I just don't trust this Green Bay defense, especially on the road, to be laying more than a touchdown. Tennessee, Jacksonville, Tennessee owns this, absolutely owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, but Jacksonville has covered the last four games. Jacksonville's playing close. Jacksonville is now getting more than a touchdown here, seven and a half. And you're starting to see what I've been talking about all year long, and that is that the Tennessee Titans' defense is terrible. Now, for you fantasy players out there, I expect Derrick Henry to have a monster game. He felt like he wasn't used enough last week. He felt like it was his fault it wasn't. Uh, But he felt like that it was his fault. I think they just absolutely run it to the middle of the line. And just devour Jacksonville. But the Jaguars should have some success. Robinson is becoming a real factor there. And Robinson should have some success against a a pretty bad Tennessee defense. Dallas-Cincinnati, Andy Dalton returns home and his revenge game. Between two teams with five wins combined. The Dallas Cowboys are given three and a half points on the road. Clinton, listen, Cincinnati's been playing tough. They lose their quarterback. They're not supposed to be good. You got to give a lot of credit to how Cincinnati has been playing tough. But this is a tough matchup. Look, I think Dallas, uh, this all comes down to emotionally how are they? They still believe they had a shot last week, they still believed, but. Look at what we've watched Dallas the last two weeks just get humiliated on Thanksgiving and then come back with a lot of extra time and just kind of be decimated against Baltimore. Now, Cincinnati can't run the ball, so Dallas has got to be feeling good there. But this is a tough game. Arizona Giants, another tough game. This line opened at three. It's all the way down to two, uh, two and a half. You can find a one and a half out at better MGM. The Giants are just getting disrespected here. This is an Arizona team that has a hard time five and eleven against the spread last sixteen on the road on the East Coast, early start clock. Arizona is also a team that at this point you have to question the coaching. Uh, there's a lot of weapons there. They don't have a defense. After Chandler Jones went down, this defense just went into the tank. That's just reality. The Giants, meanwhile, they got two different quarterbacks. They don't have Saquon Barkley. They got pieces. They got misses, mixing and matching. Joe Judge is just doing a great job. New York Giants are a covering machine and they're playing well and they're playing at home and they're playing with confidence and they're playing for a division title. Now, I'm not telling you that I'm jumping all over the Giants to win this game. And I wanted to pause there when I, I do have a conversation and I kind of go all in on one team and I get people go, oh, you told me to take that team. I took the team and I lost. Yeah, listen, that's my job here is to tell you who to take unless I'm giving you my best bet. I'm not telling you exactly who to take. What I'm doing is I'm giving you the side of the argument in this side of the argument when i'm looking at the line this is lined wrong i think the giants should be the two-point favorite not arizona be the two-point favorite now does that mean that you have four points worth of uh, you know to play with here yeah maybe but in this spot i think it's a toss-up game i just still think that the giants are getting underrated houston chicago another team chicago is now getting one and a half points on the road does anybody realize how bad houston is houston's bad Now, Deshaun Watson is all everything. He's fantastic. I expect him to light it up because I expect him to light it up all the time. But Houston's defense is bad. Sure, J.J. Watt knocked down four balls last week. That was impressive. I'm not saying it wasn't. It looked like J.J. Watt of old is back. That still doesn't make up for the lack of the rest of the defense. You could run on this team. Eh, Ken Chicago, I don't know. But you could run on this team. You could throw on this team. And I think Mitch Strabinski has more football left in him to prove at the end of this year. Look, he's got to understand. In a lot of respect, isn't his career hanging in the balance right now? I'm not overstating it. Isn't Mitch Trubinsky's career hanging in the balance over the next four games? Because this is the only team that's going to give him a starting shot. There's no team in the offseason that's going to say, oh, we're going to go after Mitch Trubinsky. No, he's going to go become a backup somewhere. Next season, And if he's a backup somewhere next season, then you sit on the bench and you hold a clipboard and you hope and you pray that somebody, you know, gives you an opportunity. I'm not saying gets hurt, but somebody somehow or another, you get an opportunity. He may never start again. Maybe this is a last shot. So that means something. Getting points at home with a motivated guy like that. It's got to mean something. Denver, Carolina, Carolina minus the three and a half at home. Denver is kind of a mess, but they're kind of a mess that you could see getting fixed. Carolina can't stop the run. Melvin Gordon had over 100 yards last week. This could be an interesting one, especially with the status of Christian McCaffrey. Unknown. Is he coming back? Is he not? I think he makes that much of a difference where I can't touch this game unless I know that right up until game time. Minnesota, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is off of a bye week. The Minnesota team is rolling high. They're going, okay, we can make the playoffs. Yeah, really, can you? Look, you can't play defense. And I still don't have a lot of confidence in Kirk Cousins. This is going to be Dalvin Cook trying to battle it out with White and David in the middle. And I still like this Tampa Bay defense. I know they've had their problems, and I know Tom Brady's had his problems. I think Antonio Brown, pay attention fantasy players, I think Antonio Brown has a really big week here. Uh, I think Minnesota's rookie cornerbacks are going to get picked apart with time for Arians and Brady. You think about the NFL, what they did here. The NFL sat back and they gave old man Tom Brady and offensive guru Bruce Arians a week 13 to sit down, reset, and look at some stuff. Yeah, this is one of those cases where it wouldn't surprise me if they absolutely torched Minnesota. With that said... Tampa Bay has been a very tough team to bet this year. They're very up and down and sideways, and you don't know. And the minute you think that they're a Super Bowl contender, they fall flat on their face. And the minute you think that Brady hit a wall and he's an old man, all of a sudden Tampa Bay comes back and wins. This is a good game. Another really good game. Kansas City against Miami. KC comes in as a a 7.5 point favorite. And money is coming in on Miami. This is a battle. When you talk about betting, a battle of two ridiculously good covering teams. Over the last two seasons, there's nobody in the league who covers at a better percentage than the Kansas City Chiefs. As a favorite, there's nobody in the league who covers a big favorite, more than a touchdown, than the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Miami Dolphins are 9-3 and three against the spread. That's the number one mark in the NFL this year. Nobody is really giving Miami a lot of credit. You Dating back to last year, Miami is the best underdog team in the league. So you have the best favorite team over the last two years against the best underdog team in the league. At home, getting points, it's a battle here. When everyone sits back and you want to make this out to be Tua against Mahomes, it's not Tua against Mahomes. Tua is just a guy that they're saying, don't Mess this up. Two has got seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. And while I like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you can bet that Ryan Fitzpatrick, he may, he may throw double the touchdowns, but he's certainly going to throw some picks. This is not the 2 coming out party. Miami's going to run the ball. They're going to play defense. They're going to do what they do. The idea here is keep it close. Hope we can win a late game. Indianapolis, Las Vegas. Colts come in as a three-point favorite into Vegas. It's not that long ago that Vegas was nearly beating the Chiefs, and people going, wow, if they face him again, they might knock him off. Well, now they're going, yeah, Vegas is getting three points at home to Phillip Rivers. I still don't buy the fact that Phillip Rivers has turned this thing around. I don't think that he's the guy that I want to rely upon my money, but I do like the Indianapolis defense a lot better than the Las Vegas defense. This is just a spot at home, John Gruden getting points, that it worries me. It's a concerning spot. Speaking about concerning Seattle against the Jets, you can't put money on the New York Jets, guys. You can't. The second-worst covering team in the NFL, second to Dallas. They they don't cover, but they've covered the last four weeks. And they have a new defensive coordinator, if that means anything to you, even though Adam Case is still at the helm. Seattle looked bad last week. And they didn't look bad because they were beat. They looked bad on the offensive side of the ball. And that's terrifying to Seattle fans that are saying, wait a minute, we have a historically bad defense. Hold on, though. This things might have uh, been switching here. Because the defense have played well the last three games. Jamal Adams plays against his old team. Th- numbers 13 and a half. I don't know if Seattle should be giving 13 and a half to anybody. And I would normally say, I don't know if Seattle should be giving 13 and a half against you know, a high school team. Well, the Jets are kind of a high school team. So I still don't know if you should be giving that much. Atlanta, Chargers. I'm not even looking at the number yet. Yeah, the number's two and a half. I'm looking at the total. 49 in what could be a shootout. Atlanta is terrible against the pass. They have bad defensive backs, bad linebackers, no pass rush, which means Justin Herbert's going to sit back in the pocket and fling it around all day long. Matt Ryan's going, oh yeah, I could do that too, oh by the way. It's going to be a nice stadium, nice situation to throw the ball. Ridley and Gage and Julio was getting a little bit more healthy. Uh, Eckler and, and Gurley, these are guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So Atlanta, They're playing well. They're 4-3 over Raheem Morris. They just came off a real tough and tight game against the Saints. But the Chargers, man, how do you bet on this team? Worst home record. Terrible against the spread. They're just miraculously bad at this point. They are at home. It is Atlanta. I just think that it's going to be a scoring fest. Washington, San Francisco, San Fran's a a 3.5 point favorite over Washington. Washington just beat Pittsburgh in prime time. The undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers went down. And now everyone's piling on, on Washington. His line was four and a half. It's all the way down to three in some spots. San Francisco's still at home. And the emotion of Washington coming off of a short week and traveling across the country, then you go to the X's and O's. Alex Smith makes a lot of mistakes. If there's one thing you could beat Washington on, no, it's the running game. A lot of things set up for San Francisco to kind of burst the bubble and pop what Washington's done. This is a huge emotional swing game. And I like Ron Rivera. He's got his key, keep his team steady in this one. New Orleans and Philly. Well, Jalen Hurts is your new starting quarterback, Philly. Congratulations. We have a backup quarterback against a tight end. Oh, how the NFL turns in 2020, right? I don't believe in Jalen Hurts. I look at Jalen Hurts and I say, he doesn't have the zip on his ball. I remember asking scouts back uh, before last year's draft, what do you think of Jalen Hurts? And every single one of them told me, just doesn't have the fire on his ball. You know he can't get it downfield the way that he has. He doesn't fit it into the corners. If he had a dynamic running game, maybe he can succeed. If he had two good tight ends, he could succeed. Oh wait, you have Miles Sanders, Travis Kelce, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, Zach Ertz. Oh yeah, that's great. Except Miles Sanders touched the ball ten times last week. Why? He's got under sixty yards in his last two weeks. Why? I don't know. I don't have these answers. And Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, they're not getting looks either. You could blame a lot on Carson Wentz, but the guy has been sacked 50, 50 times this year. That's 5-0. That's the most in the NFL. 21 sacks on third down. That's not going to change here. Philadelphia, by the way, they've allowed nine points over the last three games. The uh, This New Orleans Saints defense is just phenomenal. They're laying seven. You got to think that New Orleans is going to win, but I don't really trust Taysom Hill. Over his last three starts, he's averaging less than 200 yards passing. Baltimore-Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns are hosting a Monday night game in Week 14 against a division rival named the Baltimore Ravens where they have the clearly better record. They're getting a point wow, what things are just going crazy in Cleveland, huh? And people are really buying into the Baker-Mayfield revolution. I'm not. But I don't have to. Kevin Stavansky is going to run the ball all day with Nick Chubb. Baltimore has been shown that if you consistently run at them, look, they might stuff you up for 2-3, 2-3, 2-3, boom. You're going to break one. And that's what Nick Chubb is just fantastic with, especially with Kareem Hunt. I don't think this is a Baker Mayfield game. And on the other side, this becomes a Lamar Jackson game. Everyone's going crazy about what he did last week. Well, Baltimore's going to have to run the ball because this guy cannot throw. He can't throw. So, They're going to have to run the ball, and they're going to have to run the ball effectively. I still think J.K. Dobbins is being completely underutilized. I like the Edwards-Ingram being their number twos, but you got to get Dobbins the ball more. This is Lamar Jackson's show. The Cleveland Browns have a top 10 rushing defense, so they're going to give them some trouble at least early on. Lamar Jackson has to open things up and throw. And don't tell me what he threw last week. Dallas is terrible, and he had 76 yards, about a minute left in the third quarter. So do not show. go out there and go, oh, show me the Dallas tape, and he throws. No, he doesn't. Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball, and he's going to have to if he wants to win games like this. Speaking of throwing, well, that's all that's going to happen in Buffalo and Pittsburgh on Sunday night. This is the highlight game. Pittsburgh was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This number went down, crossed the zero. When I say crossed the zero, that means it went to a pick 'em. then crossed the zero, and now it's Buffalo minus two-and-a-half. That means they're laying two-and-a-half points. they got to win by three. Yeah, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, there's no running game involved here, guys. James Connors coming back from Pittsburgh, big whoop. Yeah, that's what we used to say. Big whoop, right? It doesn't matter. They can't run the ball even with him. It doesn't matter. Buffalo... They don't care to run the ball. Singletary's too small. Zach Moss is fumbling the ball. They don't care to run the ball. This is going to be Big Ben against Josh Allen, which is a fantastic matchup. But it's the emotion of the game. This game means everything to the people in Orchard Park that have listened to all year long. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, AFC Championship. Do you think that the Steelers defense could stop Mahomes? That's all they've heard. And Buffalo's going, wait a minute, we got three losses, guys. Why is nobody talking about us? We have three losses, and one of them was a fluky loss on a last-minute play to, to Hopkins, or else we'd be a two-loss Buffalo team. We've taken the necessary steps, and we have an MVP candidate just like you. Yeah, is getting MVP talk. Well, so is Josh Allen. And this game means so much to Buffalo. If Pittsburgh had won last week against Washington in a short week, I'd be all over Buffalo here. I'd be full, fully back the truck up. I'm going to the ATL. I, I love Buffalo in that spot. But Pittsburgh's coming off a loss. And coming off of the loss, you know what? They're going to correct some things. My worry for Pittsburgh is twofold. Number one, the short week, they're playing their third game in 12 days. That has got to take an effect on a body. and It just has to. I don't care how good you are. Remember, Pittsburgh had their bye week moved as well. So that's something to watch. And then you have to just understand that they've dealt with injuries. Sure, the quarterback, the skill position players, they're going to make the headlines. They lost Devin Bush a couple of weeks ago, and everything I read in Pittsburgh was, oh, that's going to be a big loss. Oh, that's going to be a big loss. Now, Pittsburgh was able to handle it, and they were able to control it, and it didn't seem like they missed him all that much. Well, now they just lost another guy, and that's Bud Dupree. Two weeks ago, lost Bud Dupree, so that's two linebackers out they're missing cornerbacks they're missing uh, just position players all over the field that you just don't know but it takes dings on the team now on a short week with a lot of rest that for buffalo and no rest for pittsburgh um you're going across country you're going up into cold nasty gross buffalo with no running game and you got to beat this team i don't love buffalo because i still believe in pittsburgh but this game is going to be one of the best games of the season. And I will tell you, if Buffalo wins this game, we've got to start talking about not the big two, Pittsburgh and Kansas City, but the big three. All right, guys, enjoy the weekend. hope you enjoyed everything. Mark, thank you very much. It's Mark Luino, Ryan E, our hockey expert. I hope Ryan's right. I hope we get some hockey. And by the time we get back next time we talk, let's get a little hot stove get going. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.
0: This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at SportsGarten.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So...